0: Radioinfluence.com. The future is now. Hey, gang. Today's Real Animals podcast presented by Contender Boats. I'm going to check in with my good friend, Captain Big Ben Marshall. He's a co-host of our team, Mahoney company, Real Animals radio show that airs every Sunday morning, 95.3 WDAE and AM 620. You can also hear it on iHeart as well. I hope uh, you enjoy Ben. He's a lifelong Florida resident, great outdoorsman, freshwater, saltwater, loves to get in the woods and chase some animals around as well. So I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I'm looking forward to doing it. Benny, how are you today, buddy?
1: I don't think it could be much better. Um, I'm looking out the back window here, and I see my 20-year-old ex-Parker on a lift, and behind it is my 26 Pathfinder. And um, things are really good. Just you had t- a Duffy's cheeseburger on Anna Marie Island. Are you trying? Uh, are,
0: they- you, are, are you trying to get me to end this podcast early and just stop talking <laughs> to you in general? Is that what you're trying to do? You
1: know, Duffy's <laughs> has been here since I was in high school. They've been in business. In I don't the, think I've been.
0: I don't think I've been to Duffy's yet. I'm gonna have to. Yet, right? yet, I, yeah. I emphasize yet because now I want one. Now I want a Duffy's cheeseburger badly.
1: Yeah. They're those kind of cheeseburgers. Once you pick it up and take that first bite, you really can't put it down.
0: <laughs> Does it? Do you get a little juice down your arm? Oh, oh yeah, oh, absolutely, all on. the way to the elbow. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. How did we start right off with food? I, it's that's what so we d- weird. It's what we do. Yeah, it's what we do. We could <laughs> we could do an entire podcast just on uh, Captain Mike and Captain Ben's uh, food adventures around the country. Actually. <laughs>
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. All over the south all over the southeast.
0: Yes. For those of you who don't know, Captain Big Ben Marshall is our new co host of Real Animals Radio, the T Mahoney Company Real Animals Radio Show that airs on Sunday mornings, on ninety five D A E and AM six twenty. You can pick it up on iHeart Radio as well. Um Ben's Jim Ben with us. How long have you been on the radio with us now? A couple of months, right? Been what? Six, seven, well, eight months? It
1: hasn't been a year, but six, seven, eight months, something yeah, like that. sometime last year. Well, it, think, happened, right? it happened after a hunting trip. It was uh, We were on the phone while driving to Damascus.
0: Oh, okay. And,
1: and uh, you were speaking with Mike Mahoney about uh possibility of bringing in somebody new, and we were on Bluetooth, so I was just sitting there minding my own business, and finally I jumped in and said, I know a guy.
0: <laughs> I know a guy who'd be interested in that job. Well, you've done a That's great job. Happening. It's been it's been great having you uh join us for sure. And and just to you know, kind of d- jump a little bit into your background. Now you're uh born and raised Florida guy.
1: Yeah? Yes. I actually was born in Tifton, Georgia. My mother was there visiting relatives for Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. And uh I uh I think I smelled turkey. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Always around the food Let me guess, Thanksgiving is <laughs> your favorite holiday
1: <laughs> Yes <laughs> Yes, That's but I've uh, been in Florida my whole life And my, my grandparents had a house on Lake Howard, uh, South Chain in Winter Haven So pretty much, if I wasn't in school or church or sleeping I was on the water with my grandfather Catching anything that swam I mean, catfish, bluegill, and then of course uh, bass And then became my love of speckled perch Yes, uh, we got really good at catching the black crappie.
0: You do have a little speckled perch thing going.
1: And then then by about 18, um, I was right out of high school working in one of the largest tackle stores owned by Folsom in Lakeland, um, Big L or Leader Sports, uh, working around tackle. And then, uh, you know, before I moved – well, even before I moved to Lakeland, now I was living down here at Anna Maria, and uh, Rick Gross and I um, – pretty much the same thing if we weren't in school or sleeping we were at a bridge with a lantern snook fishing at night (laughs) or wade fishing the wade fishing we've talked about on the radio show you know all of tampa bay and and you know all the way to sarasota has just some of the greatest accessible wade fishing you don't really need a boat and we were you know high school young and poor so we fished from bridges uh fishing piers waded, you know anywhere we thought there was fish and then i moved to lakeland working in that tackle store and hooked up with rooster who's now a captain and we just love to snook fish we learned really early now we fished out of john boats and ganoos. um and we learned how to catch bait with cast nets at a pretty young age and you know we caught a lot of snook and rick gross and i caught snook before there was a you know a slot you take home and even a rooster we rooster had a place down at little Gasparilla island that we go quite often and my wife's first keeper snook was 42 inches. Wow. You know, it was a different time back then. There wasn't a slot. You know, you, you spend your whole life trying to catch a big fish. You caught it. You took it home and ate it. Right. So.
0: The good old days. And then,
1: yeah, and then um I, I got engaged to my lovely wife and, you know, saying, you know, as much right. as we love fishing, you know, I'd really like to try guiding for a while. And she goes, well, why don't you do that? I, I, no one ever really gave me permission, so. Like a lot of us, I went to sea school and studied and got my guide license, and I pretty much 25 years ago. Wow! So, so there for a while, I had a job where I could take a lot of weekdays off, which, as you know, is the very best time to be on the water Tuesday, you know, <laughs> Wednesday, Thursday.
0: Right, for sure.
1: So I was, I was quasi full time there for a while, but I had another job, of course. And then, um, you know, as the years have gone by, I was I was young when I started, and I'm not young anymore. So I don't take quite as many trips. Just ran one with you a week or so ago. Not one of those multi-boat trips. Yep. But yeah, just uh can't stay away from the water.
0: You know how that goes. Oh, for sure. You for got sure. some of that too. <clears throat> oh yeah. It, and it's it, it changes some when you when you, you know, because I do guide full-time, it changes a little bit um you know the way you look at the water, but uh, not totally. It it's interesting to me that even July, uh, 2019 is 19 years of guiding for me. And if I'm, if I'm not in my boat for, let's just say four days, uh, I start to get a little twitch. It's still, it's still there where I I need to be in my boat. I need to know what's going on. And it, you know, I've done, you know, some trips where I spent a week, you know, out of the country, sometimes filming or down in the keys filming or, uh, something like that, but I'm, I'm, and so I'm fishing and I'm in a boat, but maybe I'm not in my boat. Um, and it's weird because I still get that twitch to be in my boat behind the wheel and, and checking my fishing area where I live and I work to see what's going on. It's very interesting to me that that, that happens. You would think after, you know, almost 20 years in it, you'd be like, Hey, if I don't see my office for two weeks, it's no big deal, but, it really becomes part of you, and I think that's, you know, that's what separates good guides from below-average guides and average guides, you know, is that desire just to kind of be out there, be dialed in, and feel and touch the water that you work in.
1: Well, I, I, uh, a great quote one time we had at an event we were at from C.A. Richardson, as I remember him saying um, – I'll stay out there as long as they're willing to stay out there because I want to be out there more than they do. <laughs> right. I mean, speaking in terms of his, his charters.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we
1: still love it and miss it. And, and you know, what do we do when we're not chartering? We, we try to go fishing. Right.
0: Exactly. You know,
1: a lot of guys in industries, I have buddies that are in the golf industry and this, that, and the other. And the last thing they want to do on their day off is be near a golf course. Right. But when we're off, we're always trying to find. Well, except
0: for deer season, that's the exception. Uh, yeah, deer season's a whole nother We'll we'll open that can of this podcast at some point. But let's 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 talk about fishing. Just in 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 as far as w- what is what's Ben's favorite thing to do? You know, for me, I love throwing artificials. It's probably my favorite thing to do. Is there is there a piece of the saltwater action where if you could only, you know, maybe fish one way, live bait, you know. Artificial, offshore, inshore fishing for redfish. I mean, what would it be? What would be your one? What is you, probably your biggest passion on the saltwater side?
1: Ah, boy, just just getting just getting an inshore game fish to hit a top water plug is probably the most that that's what makes me belly laugh the most or <laughs> belly giggle, if you will. And it's it's not as much about getting them to the boat or even keeping them filleting and eating. That's it's just getting them, fooling them with an artificial. If, if I never took people out fishing, I'd throw artificial all the time. Right. Um, I've done it. I've done it for years for trout. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to branch out a little bit more. And of course we both fish the pro redfish tour and you get a, a top dog to get, you get a redfish come up because they're really not set up physically to hit top water like a snook is right. or a trout, right. their mouth kind of on the bottom. But just to have them come up, swirl and knock that plug with their tail in the air and, and you just keep twitching and have it come back. I would say top water plugs, even in even bass fishing. My favorite lure is a, is a frog on the top of the lily pads, just to see a fish because you get to see it. It's you not only feel it, but you see it. Right, adds visual.
0: Yeah, adds that visual yeah. effect to it. Yeah, I get that.
1: Just like in the, at the event we were at last weekend, you were saying, "Why would you Why would you tarpon fish at night?" Because the big thing with tarpon is the jump. Right. And so at night, all you're going to do is, oh, I think I heard him jump. Right. That's no good for me.
0: No, that's no so good for me. That's always been my head scratcher about, you know, fishing at night, unless you're going to be by a bridge where you've got the shadow line and the bridge lights and things like that, where you're going to, you know, quite possibly get to see that jump, you know, being in places like Boca Grand Pass and fishing at night in the dark just seems pointless to me. I, I just don't, you
1: know. <laughs> One, you know, I've had times out there with some of our buddies, uh, Boca Grande, when when the fish are doing, you know, big schools doing their exodus and you can get them to hit artificial pretty good. You know, I've jumped nine or 10 and not brought a single one to the boat. And that's a great day.
0: <laughs> it is a good day. Yeah. Because
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to bring one to the boat. But I sure do like fooling them with the artificial and have them jump two or three times and then throw my lure. Yeah. That's perfect.
0: Yes. I'm good with that as well. Yes. Getting the jump is half of the battle there for sure. No doubt about it. So let's, let's dive into a little bit of, um, what I consider to be your true specialty. And obviously, you know, you're a redfish tour champion. And so obviously you're a very good saltwater guy, but I'm still just from getting to know you here the last 10, 15 years, 20 years. I think speckled perch is the one thing that you know, you may be able to share some insight into tricks and how people can maybe catch more speckled perch. If I get you you to share it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, first first off, I had a very special relationship in that I started guiding down at what is now Mosaic for Barry Johnson. And the bass fishing is so incredible, or was so incredible, that I kind of got bored with it. I grew up bass fishing, but I just got bored with that because it didn't, it didn't take quite as much talent to catch those bass that are so in, in private ponds like that. Um, so when Barry would have a day off, we would go speckled perch fishing. And mm-hmm. down in those phosphate pits, with the, because they're so deep, the crappie like to have some deep water and thermoclines. You know, it's just unmatched speckled perch black crappie fishing. Um, the other thing is I've always said when the good Lord has – fish for dinner it's fried speckled perch cheese grits coleslaw and maybe a (laughs) slice of fresh tomato right it's one of the best sweetest tasting fish you can catch
0: so would you say that the first thing somebody needs to look for then if you're looking for quality speckled perch water quality crappie water so you're looking for something with some depth to it a body of water
1: they say, I've talked to a lot of biologists. It was fortunate Rooster and I, one of our close friends was a biologist for the you know, Fish and Wildlife Commission, and now he's a private biologist stocking ponds and, and managing fish. He claims that speckled perch like lakes that have moving water. Like you, you either have, you know, we have a, like the Winter Haven chain is hooked together by canals. That's why it's a chain of lakes. And so you have some moving water, but you almost never find crappie i have never find them in a shallow pond or lake. There's got to be some depth. They tend most of the year to drop off into 15, 12, 15 feet or more. You can find them on your, you know, your, your bottom machine and look for them that way. Pretty much all summer long, starting about November in some places, but especially December, January, February, they start into their row season and they will move up into three or four foot of water um, close to a deep drop-off. They don't as much make the beds like the bluegill honeycomb, but they make beds by structure. They love a willow tree or a bush, um, you know, close to the shoreline, and and usually three foot of water or so. When they gang up like that, it's game on.
0: I think one of the the funnest trips... I've ever been on was the trip that you and I did out there. Barry Johnson put us in a lake and you and I went out there and filmed a speckled perch show. And I just remember having so much fun using that ultralight tackle, those little beetle spins and just working that edge of that pond, catching speckled perch after speckled perch after speckled perch. And we catch a bass or two. It was unbelievable.
1: And, and that particular day, the fish were average sized. We didn't get into the big slabs, as we call them, the ones that start approaching two-and-a-half to three pounds.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Those are,
1: those are awesome. <laughs> a lot of fun. And there, again, the, the, it's about the ultralights, too. You know, we're usually two- to six-pound test. Um, sometimes I use six-pound braid just because, obviously because of the sensitivity to the strike, but usually use six-pound mono. And you're just using the smallest little jig head with curly tails um, you know, they used to use what called no alibis that were made out of feathers, um, and they had some made even out of a deer hair kind of thing in the old days. But I guess the number one way they're caught is probably with Missouri menace, uh, drifting across, you know, 10 to 15 foot of water. Uh, a lot of people set up like a Chinese battleship, they call it, you know, with cane poles out every side and just drift.
0: Are you are you just, just freelining those or you put you lip them on a on a jig head, a little jig head to get them down?
1: You can a lot of folks do a jig head or you just do split shot okay. under a bobber on a long cane pole, sixteen foot cane pole. What you size know you set it at about ten foot deep.
0: What size hook do you use? It's gotta be pretty small, huh?
1: Yeah. We like a, like a number six or number four, and for some reason we've always used the gold Aberdeen hooks. Some reason I just brought up we use gold hooks when we fish hmm.
0: that's a speckled
1: perch has a really soft mouth but it opens up like a largemouth bass or a, a warmouth perch it, it opens up but it's, it's uh, you pull a lot of hooks on these fish they have very tender mouth
0: that's got to be heartbreaking
1: yeah and you can uh, you can fry speckled perch or you can mess it up that's the <laughs> only two ways you can have it <laughs> choosing my words
0: carefully <laughs> I hear you I hear you <laughs> I think speckled perch sliders sound tremendous to me. Oh, yeah, That sounds yes. delicious. That sounds delicious. And do When we know- I met
1: my wife, she didn't really know what a grit was, and now she makes some of the most spectacular cheese grits of anybody I know.
0: Yeah, see, Miss, Miss Beth being born and raised down here and me being from the great state of Wisconsin, I was the one in our relationship that had no idea or any interest at the time in what a grit was or wasn't or was going to be or wasn't going to be, um, but Miss Beth has some stone ground, some stone ground grits and cheese um, will mess up well, a little That'll mess up a little Yeah, morning. they they
1: they start, you know, they they start for me was it's it breakfast, you know, country ham, red eye gravy and grits. You know, that's where it started. Somehow we circle somehow another
0: back to food again. Which, yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> we circled back to food again. <laughs> so so let's venture off the beaten path a little bit, and let's uh, let's dive into uh, one of our other passions, which uh, we both know is chasing the willy whitetail. When did you start hunting, Benny?
1: I hunted, I, I basically grew up working on a ranch, a cattle ranch and a large farm, and uh, I started bird hunting pretty young. Uh, we had really good dove fields, and I hunted dove and quail some ducks, and uh, always around guns. You know, we had twenty twos and sometimes we would rabbit hunt. And, yes, we would, we would make rabbit stew and that sort of stuff. out uh, of it. We grew up on a ranch. You know, they were everywhere. Um, we, my, my, the owner of the land, my godfather, the deer were like his pets. And we didn't have a lot of them, but he loved to sit up on a hill on the property at daylight and watch them come out. It was almost like he had them named. You know, and he, he pointed one and goes, oh, look, she's got two phones this year like he knew him right so really didn't go for deer hunting until you know probably until i got up to about 20 years old and you know uh, we found that picture of rooster and i up there at uh, the place that we get to go now um we were pretty young uh, low 20s anyway and uh, i think on my first trip i harvested two does and um it was all over since then <laughs> now we've got it we got it bad yeah we do have it bad. But, but you know it's it's um I try to explain to people that don't deer hunt, and, and I work around a lot of folks that don't believe in guns or hunting. Um, pulling the trigger and harvesting a deer is less than a tenth of 1% of the experience. I mean, we get up there on our four-wheelers and go look for deer trails and different places to put stands, and, and we find paths and follow them and track the deer. When we're up there doing that, we don't think about anything else. Nothing else ever pops into my mind.
0: Right um, I agree,
1: yep. The other thing is people don't realize the hours that we spend in the woods, um, watching it get daylight or watching it get dark, that we're just watching critters that don't know we're there do critter stuff that people in the city don't get to see um it's It's very entertaining, very peaceful
0: i don't think, uh, from- I, I don't think there's anything um, there's nothing to me that compares to that sit in the morning stand watching the woods come to life i just you know what and i the one time i get a feel i shouldn't say that cuz the the one thing that is like it to me is when the sun's coming up and you're on the water making that bait run it's kind and of you're the seeing same. the pelicans dive yeah, and you're the, starting to see the life. Goals are coming yeah. to life you're starting to yeah, see life come did. alive the woods is different though cuz there's nobody out there but you in that little, well, little in, area, you
1: go it's from just you. you go from dead calm, quiet to all the critters waking up. Yeah, the squirrels yeah. start rustling, a possum will walk by in front of you, and then the birds start singing. Yes. And you're going, who flipped the switch? Yes, just it's, a minute ago it was quiet.
0: Yeah, it's pretty spectacular. I mean, it really is. And again, like I said, that morning bait run or morning run on the water, trying to get to that first spot, and you just you know, that sun's just starting to come up over the horizon, just starting to get, you know, safe light out. That's pretty spectacular, too. But I, I, that's one of the things that I I really enjoy about my time in the woods is, you know, that opportunity to get that close to Mother Nature, that close to the good Lord, and to me is just is pretty spectacular. It really is. The afternoon sits really good, too. But I like that morning sit watching the woods come to life.
1: Well, and we've been fortunate. I've hunted a lot of places over the years that that I would I would go for a long weekend and, and maybe see one deer. Right. You know, we had an experience two years ago where in three sits between us, we saw 160 deer.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, just herds of deer coming by me.
0: That's really bizarre.
1: Yeah. Because De-
0: well, m- most of my hunting life is hasn't more been fun like when- that.
1: Well, fishing is is way more fun when you're catching and, or at least seeing fish and hunting deer is way more fun when you're actually seeing deer. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And we let, you know, a lot of deer walk waiting for the right deer to harvest. Sure. So, and and my wife makes everything you would make out of ground beef, she makes out of ground deer meat a venison. It's maybe hamburgers because it'll fall apart if you don't, it has no fat in it. Right. But I mean, stuffed peppers lasagna makes the best chili in the world makes the best lisa beans in the world
0: lisa beans are good let not uh,
1: venison really soaks up the season yeah. um also it's free range nobody's added anything artificial to
0: it yeah, it comes with its so own it, organic stamp yes yeah very organic <laughs> very organic and
1: there again we have you know we We don't take our deer meat to just any processors either. We've got first class processors we found, uh, that one that does once some things really well. And then there's, there's one up there in Madison that does the, the sausage thing. And we just have to go
0: there. Yes. It's very, very good. Let's, let's switch back to, uh, let's ride back onto the fishing thing a little bit. Let's talk saltwater again. And if, you know, from fishing the tour, Ben. You know, what would be a tip for for those listeners out there that that want to catch more fish on artificial? What is the one thing, one tip that you might be able to give people to, to help them up the catch rate a little bit?
1: I think slow it down. I think a lot of mistakes people make using artificial is working it way too fast. You know, you can throw a DOA out there in the grass next to a redfish. You don't even have to jig it. You just take the rod tip and just twitch it. You know, and the the number one bait for Jamie and I across the Southeast was a new penny jerk bait. And thing about a jerk bait, if you're fishing, most of the time when you're fishing for redfish, if you're not fishing docks, you're fishing grass flats. So you need a weedless rig. And those, any of the brands of jerk baits work really well for that. And then just really slow it down. You know, Uh watch where the fish are. You know, we we kid about it, but we can 't find fish, and we see a school of really big, healthy mullet that 's the direction we're headed sure is right into that school of mullet. The other thing you know that learned from Jamie over the years was redfish really don't like wind on their backs, so if you've got a ten to fifteen mile an hour wind blowing against an island on the on the side that is your favorite side to fish they're going to be on the other side right most of the time
0: yeah it's a great trip they they put their nose into that wind. A lot like tarpon uh, tarpon do the same thing. And
1: a, another thing that we learn and I think people I think people take just miss this is docks are structured and they hold fish as long as there's especially if they're deep docks, six to eight feet up the end of the docks, and like some that you and I know that are full of rocks and oysters underneath them. And trying to catch heavy fish, the heaviest fish are the ones that are sitting on the couch eating potato chips. That's the ones hanging out at docks. Right. The same link fish that's swimming in a school is going to weigh less. Covering, They're not sitting
0: on the couch eating potato chips. Covering water, fighting for meals. Yes. Yeah.
1: As opposed to uh, hanging out by structure, waiting for food to come by.
0: Right. Burning a lot less calories for sure. That's all good stuff. That's interesting. Now let's talk a little bit about the... The state of our fishery, seeing as how you fished here for a decade or two, you know what the fishery was 25, 30 years ago and what it is today. You know, what, what do you see for the future of our fishery, Ben?
1: Well, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing that the fishery is as resilient as it is when you see all the boats and all the anglers and all the development. Um, you know, until, the FCA or now CCA got the net ban in place. Me and my buddies fished a lot. Um, you know, Rick Gross and I fished everywhere you could you could access water um, down in Anna Maria and Bradenton, and I don't ever remember seeing a trout over 20 inches. Then you had the net ban, and five or so years later, you know, I, I've I've, let, I've boated a 29 inch trout. There is a big difference between a 20-inch trout and a 29-inch trout. 29-inch trout is almost 10 pounds. And there again, you talk about um, amusing you. You get a trout over 20 inches, hit artificial, and come up and just foam the water backing up with your lure. That's pretty fun, pretty exciting. (laughs) Um, I think, think, uh, you know, from right where I am at Anna Maria South, really got hurt. Just really got hurt. But all the reports and everything I'm seeing, north of Anna Maria, north of the Manatee River, there's as many snook, uh, especially small snook, uh, replacement stock, if you will, the males. There's as many or more than I can ever remember.
0: Yeah, I think you're probably right. But, uh, you know, the, the thing I think you need to remember, or people need to remember, is you know, right now there seems to be a lot of uproar about the closure we just recently had a closure uh, a catch and release only season for snook redfish and trout that's going to run until the middle of may 2020 and there seems to be a lot of uproar about that a lot of controversy around it a lot of people are unhappy about it um, and i think that a lot of it's coming from those people that are fishing north of the manatee river but what people forget is that area wasn't affected by the red tide so there are a lot of fish there. There's a lot of fish that got pushed into that area as well. Those fish that were able to run away from that bad water, away from the red tide, went to that shoreline. So, but you can't use that shoreline as an indicator of the stock for the whole west coast of Florida. I mean, yeah, and everything
1: that we heard, we heard too, when that red tide on the on the coastal islands, the fish that are coastal, coastal estuary. When that red tide snuck into Boca Siega Bay, in the next six to eight months, you know, the Tarpon Springs area, the Ancloak areas were reporting more fish than they'd ever seen in a long time. Exactly. So those fish went north, just like they did in the bay. Yep. And I think I'm, I'm going to ride it while I'm down here, but I, I know a bunch of folks that live down there and have houses. Sarasota Bay was devastated.
0: Well, and again, there was no place. There was no place for those fish to go. Once that red tide came in those passes down there, it sealed off all exit routes. Yeah, it
1: came in the north. It came in Longboat Key Pass and came in Sarasota Pass, and that they're right there in the middle.
0: Exactly, no, nothing to do but wait for it to get to you. Exactly, your oxygen-depleted water was coming, and they don't do well when there's no oxygen in the water. So, so again, what? You know, are are you in favor of the closure? Are you, do you think, you know, long-term we can recover from this? Again, you've been fishing here a long time.
1: I think we'll, I think we'll recover. It's amazing how resilient um, the Gulf and Tampa Bay is. If we can just not dump stuff in it and such, uh, I I believe it'll come back. I think it's also, we've been talking a lot about, you know, even Mike Mahoney said, there's a lot of fish out there other than those three, Yeah. you know, the, the mangrove snapper fishery in Tampa Bay, inshore and offshore is awesome. And you've got three bridges going across Tampa Bay that all hold mangrove snapper. Um, and you can catch them up to, you know, umpteen miles offshore. You've got good structure, structure. And if you're somebody that wants table fare, it's right up there.
0: Yeah. It's there's good no stuff. Doubt. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Well, and, you know, another, I mean, another fish that's been really triple tail is so popular. You know, like you said, mangrove snapper, delicious fish, flounder. You know, delicious, popular, not that difficult to catch. Um, there's a lot of fish out there that we can focus on for the next year to let that fishery rebuild itself, and I think it's it's a huge benefit to us as a fishing community down the road.
1: Yeah, and you know, we even heard Mike Mahoney say it, and and he can fill a, a coffin box up with fish as good or better than most, but he doesn't freeze fish. Right. He eats his fish fresh. And we've been trying to convince people that even on, on, on my charters, you know, we don't need to keep a limit limit. How many do you need to have fresh fish for dinner tonight?
0: The legendary Captain Billy Nobles used to say, don't catch your limit, limit your catch. And I think that it's, it's, it's great words to live by for our fishing community, especially in an estuary like Tampa Bay 2.3 2.3 million people living here in the bay area and a lot of them fishing. A lot of them taking fish home. And that kind of pressure is tough on an estuary. So, you know, I, I think we can overcome it. I think we can withstand it, but I think it needs to be done, you know, properly. You know, we need to manage it and 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 just pay attention to what we're doing out there. At least that's Well, my and we've
1: opinion. got the pol- We've got the pelagics, you know, the mackerel that come through, and and I I haven't heard about any shortages with mackerel, and more and more I'm hearing more people learning creative ways to cook them. Right. And uh, and fresh, saying it's it's very delicious. It's good grilled. You take a Spanish mackerel and steak him like you would a king, cook him on the grill with some olive olive oil and that sort of thing. It's a, it's good fresh.
0: Yes, I not I it. haven't had that. I'll have to try it i have to put that on the grill and check it out. There but I we mean, you
1: know, just for reeling in fish, how much fun is that? Mackerel are a blast.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. Mackerel, bluefish, kingfish, all a ton of fun. And again, all fish that, you know, we get to catch most of the year. Pompano is another one. You know, we have decent numbers of pompano in the bay. Now, finding them sometimes can be a little tricky. But when you do, there's very few things that eat any better than a fresh pompano.
1: I know. It's like you've got to have somebody in your boat facing backwards when you're running all the time.
0: But <laughs> amazing. Yeah.
1: folks that don't know it, yeah, they'll skip behind your
0: prop wash. It, you know what's amazing to me is that somehow in this conversation, we 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 circled all the way back to food.
1: <laughs> That's weird.
0: <laughs> Good stuff. Ben Marshall, enjoy your vacation, my friend. Tell your bride that uh We send our love and say hello. We appreciate her uh, letting us take you away here for a a little bit. And uh, thank you for joining me here on the Real Animals podcast, my brother. I appreciate you.
1: You got it. My pleasure. And I think my crew's getting restless. They want to go for a boat ride.
0: Well, there you go. Take them for a boat ride, my friend. Good talking to you, buddy. And uh, we'll see you soon. You got it. Hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. My good friend, Captain Big Ben Marshall. It is an uncanny thing about the two of us. It always seems to circle back food just one of my very favorite guys to be around one of my best friends here uh, in the bay area uh, and on the planet actually Uh, we deer hunt together fish together Uh, our wives are friends just a super guy a super guy to have on the radio show with us as well i hope you guys really enjoyed that remember the real animals podcast is presented by contender boats if you're looking to build that Boat of a lifetime, go to contenderboats.com. You can build out your dream boat right there. Remember, the podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and RI Tampa Bay.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. And if there's anybody out there you'd like to hear me do a podcast with, you can reach out to us through our social media sites. You can uh, like us on Facebook at Facebook slash Real Animals, on Instagram at Real Animals. TV and on Twitter at Real Animals Fish. Until next week, have a great, great week, everybody. Tight lines.